I don't know what is the amount, 15,000 crore project called the bullet train, which is going to take people from Mumbai to Ahmedabad. How many people are going to use this train and how many people are going to be benefited? So I would say even 10% of that money, if they decide to implement, to improve the basic amenities of a village, it would be great. Some of the most interesting conversations happen over a cup of coffee. And there are many people doing really interesting and cool things with their lives. You can't have coffee with all of them, but you might just be able to interview some of them. That's why I started this podcast, to have conversations with people I find interesting. I'm your host, Pawan, and welcome to Coffee by Two, a place where interesting conversations happen over a podcast. For many of us, leaving a stifling corporate job and moving to a farm is only a pipe dream. But my guest on this episode of Coffee by Two did just that. He quit a well-paying corporate job and turned to full-time organic farming. He has detailed his experiences in a delightful book called Moong Over Microchips. Welcome to the show, Venkatayar. Hi, Pawan. Thanks a lot for keeping me on your show. It's great to be here. I read Venkatayar's book, Moong Over Microchips, I think two years back. And it is one of the must-read books on my list. He writes about his transformation from a city techie to a farmer and also the stark realities of making the transformation. I think it's something which a lot of us think of and dream of all day, but very few of us actually have the courage to to make that change. The back of your book says, how many more Monday mornings will you endure? I think in 2020, that changed to how many more Zoom calls will you endure? Just talk us through the starting stages of you wanting to make this transformation. Actually, the I mean, the starting point was quite some time back. I actually did the transition in 2004, but uh, the thought process had started uh, maybe a couple of years before that. So, like you say, you know, Monday mornings, okay, now it's Zoom calls, but at some point of time, the Monday mornings are going to return. So, I had the same feeling, you know, working for an MNC like IBM, you know, the usual client calls, the usual conference calls, you know, the calls with the management, the calls with the senior, the call with the team, and of course, lots of money also. But at the same time, I was feeling that, you know, I need to do something different. So like usually what you do when you're tired of your job is you apply. So I also did the same. I applied in various places in Headhunters, Monster.com, etc. And I got a few offers. And that's when I realized that most of the offers that came to me were all for the same role that I was doing, which was project management. So basically, there was nothing different. It was just the office was going to change. My colleagues would change. My boss would change. And of course, my salary would change. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted a change in my life. It was around this time that my wife, Nina was writing a book on organic cotton. And as part of her research, she used to travel across India to various villages, stay with the farmers, 
and document their work. And when she came back from her travel, she used to narrate to me tales of the village and how they live and how wonderful it was. I have never stayed in a village. I am a city-bred person. So I found all these stories very fascinating. And I used to keep asking her, okay, so how does their house look? Because I had never seen one. So as the days passed by, I started getting fascinated by these stories. And I also started getting interested in her work on organic cotton. So I started reading up on organic cotton. What is this organic stuff? I had no idea. So I read about it. I tried to question her research. And then it just one day while we were sitting and chatting after one of her travels, a thought passed my head and I just asked her, I said, what do you think if I became a farmer? She said, why not? She said, 65% of this country is into farming. You can also do it. Maybe you'll do it better because you're a technical person. So that was the day the seed was planted. But of course, it's not as simple as that. You faced a lot of challenges to make the transformation because in your book, you write about from the start of making so many trips just to get the land and the number of hands you had to grease, the number of people you had to please. It sounds very easy, you know, become a farmer, but it's not all that simple. So I actually bounced it off my colleagues and friends. And you know what the surprising thing was? That not a single person said it was a stupid idea. They all said, it's great, yeah. Do it, Venkat, do it. I said, if you think it's such a great idea, then how come you are not doing it? Why me? What a lot of us do is we live through other people. And here you add someone who was saying, I, I actually want to do something which a lot of people want to do, but are not sure of. You also write in your book about the money factor, uh, this feeling of not having enough. So you started off your career by earning 750 rupees a month. And then by the time you wanted to make this change, you were earning in six figures. For a lot of us, we have this, this figure in our heads that we need to make so much before we sort of make the next change in our lives. But that number just keeps growing. If you tell yourself, I need one crore, you make one crore and then that one crore becomes two crores. So it's a cycle which actually never stops. How did you manage to break the cycle and say, I'm done. I want to make the switch instead of just adding to my bank account. No, it is never enough, power. In the sense, uh, like I, I mentioned uh, in the book also, that even when we had seven, when I had 750 rupees, I used to land up borrowing 50 rupees from my mother towards the end of the month. Even when I had six-figure salary, at the end of the month, I was using my credit card. There is no end to it. It is, it's like a you know black hole. So no person in this world can say that, yes, this is the figure. I have reached it. End of story. Now I don't want any more. I don't think anyone, even if Jeff Bezos is there, he's also not going to stop. Neither is Ambani going to stop. No matter how much you have, you always feel that it is a little less. So obviously it means that at any point of time, though you may set a goal, by the time you near, reach near the goal, the goal has shifted. And there is something else which has come and then it's going to just move. So the only way out of it is say that this is all I have and I have to live within these means. That's it. You just have to take that call because it's not going to end. You are not going to reach the end of the road. That is 100% sure. It's just a long winding road. And then by the time you are reached there, you are totally tired and gone. You know, you're finished. So therefore, the only thing to do is say that, okay, this is all I have. And look at it like that. that there are hundreds and thousands and crores of people who have less than this and who are still managing. So I can also manage. That's it. Once you take that call, and of course, you need to have the buy-in of your family and all. Uh, that is, uh, uh, they have also have to agree to your views. And if it works, then you're through. I was seeing one of your TED Talks where you spoke about how 
we find a lot of thrill in the search and when you first started this journey you would spend a lot of time looking for land and then your friends started saying you'll just keep doing this for the rest of your life i don't think you're ever going to make the switch you're just going to keep searching at what point did you realize that the search ends here and i need to go to the next level was there like a moment or a point actually funnily enough it was circumstances which forced me like you said yes i was searching every weekend we used to go looking for land and you know contacting agents and trying to figure out where a good piece of land is at the same time obviously we wanted it somewhere near mumbai city so it had to be within about 100 or 150 kilometers around mumbai so it's not easy so we used to go around and uh, like you said there was always a problem with the land and we used to come back and no the view is not good or you know the water is not there the light is not there the road is not there etc etc so it, uh, this was this went on for almost about uh, two years and it was somewhere around in late 2003 that i got selected by ibm to head a very prestigious project in mumbai and they had selected me as the project manager so i had to take a decision if i took the project then i would not have been able to do anything for the next 2 years because once i took up a project i did not want to leave it halfway because i know how difficult it is if the project manager leaves so that means for 2 years it's the end of my dream that was one thing. and the second thing is i had to take a decision i didn't i hadn't found land there was nothing in my hand so we had i discussed it with my wife meena and uh, finally somewhere in october we took a decision that well we can't go ahead with this because i have to quit this job otherwise i'll have to take the project which means for two years we can't do anything so i quit in october and i got relieved on 31st december 2003 technically at that point of time i did not have any land but at the same time there was a very big difference which happened is because i did not have to go to work in 2004 I could put in more effort and more time in looking for land. In your book you write about the realities of living in a village and for most of us we have no clue honestly about how it is to live like in a village. We may have gone or stayed for some time as a part of a tourist program or whatever but we don't know the day to day life in a village. And we keep hearing successive governments make these huge promises like all villages will have roads and drinking water and power and even though many villages are just 50 to 100 kilometers away from the city we live in very different worlds i'll tell you one thing there is a lot of difference staying in a village compared to a city in the village the basic things that we take for granted in a city are all missing right from the time you get up in the morning the milkman the newspaper wala you know 24 by 7 electricity or the the vegetable vendor next to you the services industry you have swiggy you have zomato you have uber these things don't exist in the village so basically that's that's the biggest difference that hits you and of course like you said the infrastructure is pretty pathetic in terms of whether it is roads electricity it almost doesn't exist and how much do these government policies actually impact life in the village so as far as these schemes are concerned yes they do reach at the village level but some of these schemes are just on paper i am just talking about a particular scheme like for example you will see that there is a scheme which says that all the women in uh, in india have got gas cylinders the ujwala scheme, which says that you know all the women have got gas cylinders at a subsidy 
and how wonderful it is now they don't have to go and get firewood but the ground reality is that these cylinders have been given but they have not been empowered with the money to refill the cylinders so there's a huge difference between the data and statistics and ground reality so they don't have money so what happens is those cylinders are just lying there and they still go around collecting firewood but yes as far as statistics is concerned xyz crowd women have got gas cylinders so you cannot say that they are lying they are not lying yes they did give the cylinders but what is the usage of the cylinders how many people are able to refill it they don't have that money and of course we have a lot of corruption that i mean all of us know that and as far as the roads or the construction which goes they do happen but what do you think needs to change at the ground level so obviously the progress can't be hastened in one shot we are so many years since we got independence and our villages are still fairly backward so i don't expect huge forward motion but this lag between cities and villages the larger it gets doesn't it affect people on both sides yeah correct and at the same time you cannot deny the data na you cannot say that it is wrong it is not wrong so today also in our village in my village which has got very less number of houses we have only 80 houses i am the only one who has got drinking water coming to my house or tap water do you know that but what about the other houses they don't have that. they all go to the well and remove or they go and pump on the bore well we have not been able to give them drinking water and this is because they have not paid the bread no it's not that there is there is nothing has happened i mean you need to have an infrastructure for it now who is going to put all these pipelines nobody has put the pipe so even now the village the women go to the well they draw the water take it on their head and take it back home our uh, minister says uh, 14 kilometers per day we have built yes it is not wrong again it is a statistic but out of that 14 kilometers how much of it is walkable or motorable have you seen that after one year unfortunately this is all related to vote bank politics for years together it doesn't matter which party is in power they actually have not done anything substantial to assist the rural people okay i'll give you a very simple example of of my area i i am not such a great what we call a historian or a statistician to comment on the entire country but i can comment about my village and my area i'll give you a very simple thing what i told you just now that our village does not have tap water drinking water in each person's house now it might cost x amount of money for the government to set up this infrastructure to have a tank and a pumping station and the water going you know the pipeline etc etc which has been spent in the city remember that in the city everybody gets tap water but here we don't get now compare to that in the same area we have a multi crore project a 15000 i don't know what is the amount 15000 crore project called the bullet train which is going to take people from mumbai to amdabad how many people are going to use this train and how many people are going to be benefited so if even i would say even 10% of that money if they decide to implement to improve the basic amenities of a village it would be great at the same time giving a village that is 80 people in my village in pet village drinking water is not going to get you the kind of mileage if you have a bullet train running from mumbai to ahmedabad which is better which looks better in the new as an headline a bullet train or 80 people getting drinking water is senseless i think you made your point by giving a very good example the reason why i asked this question is the stark difference between village and city life 
we saw that happening during the covid crisis the moment cities shut down we had a huge number of migrant laborers who were in one shot sent back to the villages and a lot of people were forced to go back to the villages and a lot of people are yet to come back to the cities so do you think that there'll be some kind of change after this where people realize that city life is not as great as it seems and we'd rather be in the village and make a living to a certain extent pavan it will happen a certain percentage of the people who have returned back to the village may not necessarily go back to the city a because they have realized how the city people deal with them when when the time of crisis came instead of helping them they were abandoned that is one thing. and uh, the second thing is that because of this return of people back to the villages there is a lot of activity which has started happening at the farm level even land which has been lying unused for uh, like maybe years na suddenly they have started saying that okay maybe it's better if i plant something but this will not happen on a large scale the reason being money even though you may have land and you may plant you may sow some crop the amount of money that you will generate or the income that you will get from that piece of land will not match the salary that you will get from the city which is why you will find that some of these people are coming back but the the only good thing at least in our area where we have an midc called boiser which has got a lot of uh, factories you know where these migrant workers were all thrown out and now they are coming back slowly is that now the workers who are coming back are demanding better conditions they are saying you want us to come back then you have to give us all these things you have to give us good food you have to give us a good place to stay otherwise we are not coming to this place so that is a slight change that i am seeing and some of these companies are agreeing to these terms and conditions they are making efforts to put in a better infrastructure because otherwise they were treated like cattle you know and they were just made to work but at least some change is happening in that respect but as far as absolute numbers is concerned i would say that the bulk of them will return it's, it's still some way to go for for the large scale change to happen and over the past few months we've seen a fair amount of unrest because the government is trying to pass these new bills and these farm laws for farmers and there have been many claims and counter claims as to will the life of a farmer actually become better and in your book you write about the simple fact of you selling something for middleman and how much the customer pays for it and there's a fair amount of difference it's not small but actually like why does that happen why is there such a huge difference and have things changed at all no th- see there are, things will not change it still remains the same because what i have written in the book is still applicable today only the maybe the numbers are different because the prices have gone up but otherwise the fact that the middleman makes the money still remains okay now the the way we need to understand since you have raised this topic of this farm law is the intent of the farm law is to absolve the government of doing anything for the farmer and making it private so basically they are removing the responsibility of doing anything for the farmer and moving it to the corporate world assuming that the corporate world will do a better job okay now as far as my understanding is going on this particular thing we have already tried this kind of a thing in our healthcare system okay our government healthcare system is pathetic and we moved to this model of privatization of healthcare which is why we have these fancy hospitals all over the place right which are exorbitant and i mean you have to pay through your nose to get treated there 
but people go there because they don't want to go to the municipal hospital because the government did not invest in the municipal now look today what is the situation as far as healthcare is concerned we are in trouble right and the government is running around begging these private hospitals for beds for infrastructure putting laws saying that you cannot charge so much you have to charge only this much if your government infrastructure had been in place then you don't have to beg to these private hospitals the same thing is what we are trying history repeats itself you know so we are repeating it as far as agriculture is concerned we are absolving ourselves you have not set up the infra like you said i am still growing stuff i am 100 kilometers from bombay the market is in bombay nobody here wants to eat what i grow because they are also growing the same thing right why would they buy from me when they are also growing it so obviously i have to go to a location where people are not growing what i have planted which for me is nearest is the city which is bombay the question is how do i reach mumbai what is the infrastructure that you have provided to me so that the farmer can take his produce to mumbai there is no infrastructure which means what i have to sell it to somebody who comes and picks it up from me now earlier it was the middleman now you have just made it into a corp and said that a corporation an fpo and a company can do it and you know they will have infrastructure they will have cold storage they will have refrigerated trucks going from one place to the other you know so things can move easily but don't you think that the government should have done all this they should be doing it now why are they asking the private to do it and like they say there is no mother teresa in corporation it is not possible no private enterprise can be mother teresa they will make money otherwise they will not do it so therefore in the long run i don't know it is just a few months since the laws have been passed in the long run i feel that it will still be the farmer who will be at the receiving end this is what i i don't know okay and do you still have runins with authorities as you have described in the book or has anything changed at all since you've written the book no uh, see runin with authorities at, is something which you just can't avoid there are certain things they take for granted and that is you know that the villagers don't know anything they are they are illiterate we can tell them anything so you know they will come up with weird suggestions weird explanations for getting some work done and uh, so you have to fight it i'll give you an example the agriculture department person will come and say okay i am giving you a free chana seeds to plant in your farm each person gets let us say 1 kilo of seed so everybody gets ex- excited and said wow agriculture department is giving us seeds you know immediately when the seeds come na the same person will say okay now that you have got the seeds you have to subscribe for one year subscription of the government agriculture magazine which cost xyz so i i immediately pointed out i said what is the connection between the chana seed and this subscription to this magazine half of these people don't know how to read what are they going to do with the magazine they don't know how to read so why do you want to force them to go for this magazine as a villager he doesn't know he says okay i need chana it's okay i'll give that 100 rupees subscription then it turned out that this is a government magazine which is brought out by the maharashtra government and it is not selling well because i had subscribed to it and i know that the quality was really bad and i stopped the subscription so they want to increase the subscription so they are telling these people you link it to this chana you know free chana so one packet of free chana you have to do a year subscription for this magazine so it's not free technically you know because you are forcing every farmer to buy it whether he knows how to read it or not you know so these kind of runins are there 
you know they they just go on happening you know you have to keep fighting it you know so you have to tell that that no there is no connection i refuse to pay this 100 rupees get me the order which says that if i need this chana i have to buy a subscription and then they run away because there is no order like there cannot be so these kind of things happen you know and inflated bills it's more or question of reconciling to it and fighting it in the last few years we've seen this interest amongst a small section of people from the city who are wanting to get into farming in some way you have a lot of these smaller sort of farming cooperatives or these communities where people are buying land and this has started now let's say in the past few years and it is slowly picking up are you seeing more people who are getting interested in making their transition and what do you make of this small movement which is happening okay there has been after especially after this covid thing there has been an increase in the number of people who maybe they don't want to become farmers but they are definitely questioning the quality of food they are eating and they would prefer to grow their own food the other thing also we need to understand is that there is some money which is there with people you know who, who have been earning well especially in the IT industry and they have some extra money so they feel that okay uh, let's buy some land and do some farming now there are two things to look at it one is if you are getting into these community kind of projects you know where somebody is handling the whole thing and you are just paying a monthly sum and uh, you know once in 15 days you go there you pluck your own lettuce and coriander and then say yeah my this is from my land you know so there is there is a joy in it and you have the money to do it yes you should go ahead and do it theoretically speaking i wouldn't call them farmer okay they are they just hobby farmer they just they're not actually on the land a farmer is somebody who is actually doing the work who is actually sowing the land who is watching his plant grow who is learning from it it is not a caretaker kind of business it is like you have a fantastic mercedes car the latest you know whatever s class or whatever and you don't know how to drive you have a driver so what what are you doing you you not actually enjoy you're just sitting in the back of the car it could it would as well be a uber yeah what different does it so it's up to you i mean there are people who do that huh? and they like it so i have nothing to say about that but i'm just trying to give you an example of the difference got it you also write about was a latter part of your book you were trying to get few people together to sell your produce and and you face certain challenges with doing that so you had people who subscribed they didn't turn up so have things changed with regards to that because i think now there is a little more awareness about organic food in general has it changed since you've written the book a lot of changes have happened pavan actually funnily enough it happened because of the book there was a person who read the book and he got in touch with me and said i want to help these farmers you know who are struggling so how can i help so well uh, we told him that there is not much there is help only problem is we are not able to go to bombay because we don't have a vehicle and it's too exorbitant to hire a vehicle and funnily enough it turned out that he he owned a logistic company green earth logistic company and he just told us okay i'll give you a tempo he said you pay for the diesel and the driver i'll give the tempo free of cost as a donation so from the last two years we have started something which is called as go to market where our farmers sit in the vehicle with their produce and go all the way to bombay and what we have done is we have tied up with some societies with some schools with some institutions where the farmer will go and stand and sell his produce and that has really changed things because a they are directly talking to the consumers so there is no middleman and after removing 
doing the expenses of the driver diesel toll and all that even then they make more money compared to giving it to a third so there has been a change and uh, this is called, we, we call it the go to market because the farmers are going unfortunately of course from march onwards they are not going because of covid but we expect that by january things should get better and they will resume and while this thing has been happening we have been getting hundreds of calls from people who are saying can they come to our society can they come to our place please ask them to come like i told you this covid scared people and they are, they are saying that okay if i am getting fresh produce from the farm without any contamination then even if i pay a little more it might be worth it for my family's health which is why the uh, requirement for organic food has shot up like anything because in your book you entail the challenges that you face with selling the produce and now to actually say that like you're short of produce is is actually it's heartening to hear absolutely absolutely sometimes when you look back at your own journey what do you make of it do you wish you had done this earlier do you uh, still miss certain aspects of city life not exactly i'm not sure whether i could have done this earlier because there was a certain amount of uh, money that was needed to start okay at least to buy the land and uh, to build the infrastructure which probably a few years earlier i might not have had so that's one point and i also believe that these things happen when they have to happen you know you just can't push it so it, it just happened on in 2004 so i can't say whether it should have happened in 2000 so uh, that's one thing and the second thing uh, your question was uh, what do you miss in the city life okay uh, see i've been here for quite a few years now and funnily enough a lot of people called me up my friends and you know people i know after this lockdown as they call it started and they said are how are you managing here i said uh, there is no change what is there nothing has happened to me so they said now we realize you know you have been in a lockdown for the last 15 years and nothing has happened to you whereas we are now understanding what you are going through you know not going out anywhere not meeting people sitting at home how are you managing i said the only reason i am surviving is because i got 4 acres of land i can walk around i have fresh air i am not sitting in 500 square feet you know suffering in the city which let me tell you is difficult you can't sit whole day at home for 3 months or 4 months it's difficult i don't miss the city at all in fact i find it difficult to go back because it traffic is making me difficult to drive I, i do go because my mother still stays in bombay so i go once in a while to visit her what is a day in the life of venkatayar like now okay the day year is uh, more or less dependent on sun okay as in the sun rising and setting so basically it starts early so i get up as uh, when the sun comes up which would be as early as 5:30 in the summer to maybe around 6 o'clock in uh, winters which is now the sun sunrise is a bit late then i make food for my pet that is uh, pepper and then i go with a cup of coffee and sit by the river we go to the river come back by then pepper's food is cooled down so i feed her and uh, then i walk for about 45 minutes around the farm so looking at the trees and checking everything we have breakfast around 9 o'clock by which time the person who helps me at the farm comes and post breakfast we discuss the day's work what has to be done and i go and try and join him if it is not too much of hard work i usually have a cup of tea around 10:30 and then it is for preparation of lunch then after lunch we i usually rest for an hour between 1 to 2 by which time my help is back that is baban is coming back and then we plan the afternoon 
so a cup of tea at around uh, 334 and uh, continue the work on the field which i usually join him around after tea because i avoid the sun you know so in the morning from 9 to let us say 11 and evening let us say 4 to 6 so that's the time when i go into the field otherwise i avoid going because the sun is very hot and then after 6 he goes away and if i have some work and i go to the village just check on people or maybe pick up something and then come back and have a nice warm bath and then prepare dinner sometimes we land up watching some movie netflix or whatever and we sleep very early so we eat at around 8 30 and by nine o'clock i'm fast asleep so that's my typical day thank you so much Venkatayar, for coming on the podcast and like more importantly for writing a book that shines a light on what it is first to make the transformation and the realities of making the transformation. I think it's something which a lot of people don't know. And I do hope that after listening to this podcast, more people go and actually check out your book. It's something which I came across, I think, in the Hindu and I just ordered it because of the title. You know, the, Pawan, the interesting thing is that the, I mean, the title was basically the reason for the title is because the first crop that I planted was Moong. So, and I had quit IBM, which is microchip. So that's why I said Moong over microchip. That is that is how the title was formed. Thank you so much, Venkat, for coming on my podcast and uh, talking to us about your experiences. Thanks a lot, Pawan. You can check out the show notes at thecoffeebytopodcast.wordpress.com. You can leave your feedback for the show wherever you listen to the podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording and producing it. Thanks for stopping by for some coffee. Till we meet again.